Wisconsin sports fans. Welcome to MVP, a Wisconsin sports podcast where we debate and discuss all things Wisconsin sports, including the Packers, Brewers, Badgers, and your 2021 NBA champions, the Milwaukee Bucks. And now, broadcasting from their man caves are your hosts, Mark and Mark! Hey, everybody. Dave is too busy to be recording with us this week. He's uh, out of town. Uh, so I brought to you all y'all's favorite, my val- uh, my father. Wow, bad, bad with words here. Uh, how's it going, Dad? It's going good. I got you all speechless, huh? Yeah, I went to say dad and then father. It, it, it turned into a jumbled mess. I'm, I'm, all, I'm one of those and I'm all of those, so... I'm, I've never been good with words, as you know, listening to this. <laughs> uh, uh, so what's going on? Nothing much. Uh, exciting weekend. A lot of sports this last, a lot of sports news this last uh, week since the last podcast. Yeah, it's been a busy time of year for the last uh, last couple of weeks. Dave and I have been doing this. It's been going over an hour long, but that's just because there's so much we want to fit in, and we don't want to just rush over topics. We want to actually hit each topic, give it the time it deserves. So uh, we can jump right into this. You're the dad. I know you brought a dad joke. What do you got for me? All right, here we go. What do you call a toothless bear? A toothless bear. Uh... Uh, and it's not Justin Fields. <laughs> <laughs> I get why you did the bear joke because the the bear game. I, I understand that part, but I don't know the answer to the actual jo- dad joke. What do you got for me? Gummy bear. Uh, ha ha ha! <laughs> I, I, I thought that I was going to be so easy for you. I, I, you should know by now. I'm not good at these. Dad jokes are not my strong suit. I, I thought I laid one right over the plate for you. It was like coming right at you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what Dave tries every week, and I just swing and miss every time. So it doesn't really seem to help. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. Let's jump into it, though. Like you said, we got a lot to talk about. Let's kick it off. Packers beat the Bears. Always a good thing. How are you feeling? Um, this is how I'm feeling. God, that's. I always enjoy the Packers beating the Bears. As you know, I worked down in Illinois for 30-plus years, had a deal with all the Bears fans. I started back – I actually started the year that Mikowski beat the Bears on the uh, infamous replay game, um, and the one that Mike Dicka put an asterisk on in in the Bears um, book. So – um, had to deal with a lot, uh, not a lot, actually dealt with a lot of victories over that time, but had to deal with a few uh, losses. So I always enjoy the Bears beating, the, I mean, the Packers beating the Bears. <laughs> Little uh, Freudian slip there? No, no, no Freudian slip at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say, as someone who is on Team Tank and as well established as Team Tank, um, I wasn't particularly rooting for the Packers to win this one, but I will say if the Packers are going to win, I'm glad it's against the Bears. There's no one better that you'd rather beat than the Bears. So, like, I can't complain, especially when it was the young guys delivering us the victory. Yeah, I was, I was talking to your mother about this, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I maybe I'm not on Team Tank, but I'm on the sidelines cheering for Team Tank. So, um, but I, I, I was glad that the, the Packers beat the Bears. And, you know, if they beat the Vikings, I'm happy about that. And if they, when they beat the Cowboys, I'm happy about that. So those are my three main – you have to beat those guys. I was going to say, for the five games they've won, they've picked a pretty good five, right? They've beat the Bears twice. They beat the Cowboys. They beat Tom Brady, and they beat Bill Belichick. That's a solid five. Yep. Like, and then you had to go and lose to the but, crappy Jets and the crappy Giants. and. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to lose games, those are fine teams to lose to. Yeah. But let's let's jump into this game here. All right. um, I want to start on the offensive side of the football. Christian Watson. We talk, we've been talking about this dude for the last month now. 
dude is just on fire. He legitimately is making a case to be a pro bowler. He's now, I don't think he's the favorite, but he's up in the favorites for the offensive rookie of the year award. Um, this dude just week after week just keeps scoring touchdowns. He has by far been the brightest spot of this Packer season. Well, if I got to ask, what do you need to be rookie of the year? If not, what is he at? Eight touchdowns now? Um, yeah. I, well, Kenneth Walker from Seattle is the favorite at the moment. Uh, Christian Watson's slow start to the year really kind of yeah. put him down. Um, I'm trying to pull up Kenneth Walker stats here just as a reference. So, Kenneth Walker so far this year has 649 yards rushing and nine touchdowns. Uh, if you okay. compare that to Christian Watson, who is that over I a believe full? has that's his entire season so far. Okay. Uh, and if you compare that to Christian Watson, who has at the moment, he has 401 yards receiving and then he has, uh, seven receiving touchdowns. On top of that, he also has two rushing touchdowns and 68 yards rushing. So he's at about 500 yards, give or take, and nine touchdowns. So they're pretty close. Kenneth Walker does have a slight lead in yards. Uh, I But I think really Watson's slow start is what's holding him back in this award race. But there's still a long way to go. Walker is now hurt. Who knows if he's even going to play this upcoming game? Christian Watson's obviously on a bye week, but if Christian Watson can keep this up the last few weeks, I would think he's probably the front runner. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, if you go by, you know, who's more exciting to watch? So, I, I, Christian Watson, that guy is just outstanding. That's that's you know, you when the, when the Vikings had, um, I forget that idiot's name, uh, Randy Moss. Randy Moss, yeah, the one who who mooned the stadium um when they had randy moss you always wanted to have somebody like that and i think they finally found that wide receiver it's too bad that rogers is almost 40 years old before they do that for him <laughs> yeah right but i mean christian watson week after week right now continues to just tear it up i'm honestly like this Packers offense, I'm pretty optimistic about the future of it for, for multiple reasons. Um, the Rogers stuff we've been over and who knows if he's going to be back or if it's going to be Jordan Love. We, we obviously don't know that. But I mean, if you look at the rest of the offense, AJ Dillon has had a couple really good weeks now in a row. The offensive line didn't give up a single sack or a single QB hit this past week. And when you consider all five starters are still on their rookie contracts, like that also bodes incredibly well for this offense. Romeo Dobbs has really flashed when he's been out there. I'm still, I would still really like to see Samari Toure get more snaps. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as at least the surrounding parts, we'll figure out the quarterback, whether that's Rodgers or Love. But either way, I don't think either one of them is going to be awful. I don't know that either one's going to be like a top five guy, but I think they'll be they'll be fine next year. And I think that the surrounding parts of the offense seem to be pretty well stocked with some good young talent. Well, then you got Zach Tom coming in on the left tackle. That guy didn't allow anything this past week. Uh, I think they're getting... I think they're getting a lot better at drafting offensive linemen, except in the third round. Um, <laughs> yeah, just trade all future third round. Yeah, picks. just trade it. Just, just not- either trade up or trade down, whatever. <laughs> just trade them for something because it's just going to be a bust if you take them in the third round. Yep. But yeah, like you said, uh, the offense. I there's some really good bright spots on that offense, and it's fun watching that part when you know when you got good play calls. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I don't really have a whole lot more on the offense this week. I, I did mention AJ Dillon. He had a really good game in this one. Um, he ran for, what was it? He ran for 93 yards, scored a touchdown. That was good to see. Alan Lazard, five receptions for 67 yards. So he had a solid game. Um, honestly, like I said, I'm pretty optimistic about the offense. The other side of the ball, which we'll get to in a second, not so much. But I, I think the offense is in a pretty good spot to finish out the season and build into next year. I think Do you so. have any disagreements, anything you want to touch on? No, I, I, I like watching the young guys get more playing time and, and building their confidence and their um, just getting to know the offense better. So yeah, it's been fun watching the offense actually start to gel a little bit here at the end. So before we get into the defense, cause I want to stay on the positive side of things for a moment here coming off a, a win against the bears. There's been a lot of talk this year about the, Packers quote unquote giving up 
or not having fight in them uh, and all this type of stuff. And to me, so the Packers scored 18 points in the fourth quarter of this game, had a double digit comeback in this one, had a double digit comeback four weeks ago against the, against the Cowboys. So that's two double digit comebacks in four weeks. Mm -hmm. Like to me, it feels like this team still has plenty of fight in them. Even if I wish they would have a little less, like it still seems like they're out there giving it their all. I don't think, especially on defense that they're that good, but I think the fight is there. Well, I think the fight is in spots. So if you look, they, they, when they're playing defense, they're playing such a boring, put everything in front of them defense that w- when they do finally get a turnover, then they get excited and everybody's into it. And then you be, you, they pick up the pace of the defense and it seems, but they play so such a non-attacking defense most of the time that that's why everyone thinks it's, you know, they're not really trying that hard because they're not. They're keeping everything in front of them and just playing off the ball and and not attacking at all. So I think that's where that comes from. Yeah, the, I mean, the defensive play calls leave a lot to be desired. There's no question about that. And this is a kind of a good transition here into the defense. Uh, up and down game for the defense. Started off really rough. Second half only gave up three points. Had the two big interceptions, one by Jair and one by Keyshawn Nixon in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. to kind of seal the game. Thought Kenny Clark had his best game of the season. Um, in this one, he had multiple QB pressures. Rudy Ford, the the Rudy Ford roller coaster continues. <laughs> he uh, he was really graded well. Then he was not graded well. Well, last week he was the highest graded player again. This week he was the third lowest graded player. So we're going up and down, up and down with Rudy Ford here. What are your thoughts on the defense? I think. Well, I mean, we can all see it. I think they start off slow. They play everything in front of them. If the offense isn't clicking, the defense isn't going to, you know, the first three quarters isn't going to put any pressure on. They turn up the heat on the fourth quarter, I think. That's where we're seeing it with this defense. Um, But the defense is staying out on the field a long time, and they're allowing these very long drives or really a lot of – uh, what do you call it? Those big plays, you know, 20 plus yard plays, they allow a lot of them. And it's just, it, it gets to be frustrating as a fan to see these big plays happening against the Packers. And we, every week we know they're coming. So that's, it's just hard to watch sometimes. Yeah. I'm not very optimistic on this defense going into next year. Um, I think the Packers can be in a good spot offensively. And a lot of what the rest of the season to me is, is building for next year. I I don't think this team is, to me as a fan, I want to either be a championship contender or building towards a championship contender. And the fact that we're not a championship contender right now makes me want to kind of evaluate into, well, what do we have for next year now? And yeah, but our defense, I'm not optimistic. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, the problem is you can't really look at the defense for next year because hopefully they're not running the same type of defense. So maybe players are, will be adjusting differently than they do this year. If, if you understand, if you get what I say. And that's certainly possible. Yeah. I hope they make a defensive coordinator shift and I hope the, they get a better defensive coordinator in there. And that's absolutely true, but there's also been a lot of execution errors on this defense. And that just sort of continues. This bears offense is not a good offense and they gave up 19 points. I mean, Rudy Ford, Keisha Nixon had some really key missed tackles on uh, Keisha Nixon had a really bad missed tackle on that. Justin Fields touchdown run. Like that's not a coaching thing. That's just a bad missed tackle by Keyshawn Nixon. Um, they had no pass rush in this game whatsoever. Kenny Clark provided some, like I said, it was his best game of the season, which was good to see because he's been having a couple down weeks, but JJ Anagbari, a guy I've been pretty high on and he's a rookie. Like he's going to have his ups and downs. This was a down week for him. He yep. provided no pass rush in this game. The other outside linebackers, Preston Smith and the rest of the crew, they provided no pass rush in this game. I mean, Dean Lowry can, continues to just be a nothing out there. And so I, I'm not, I mean, yeah, it was great to get the turnovers, right? Jair had that big interception. He also got burned by Equinemia St. Brown. It's Equinemia St. Brown. Like he got burned twice. Come on, dude. <laughs> he got burned. Yeah. So I had to laugh when, uh, was it, uh, oh, I forget the announcer's name, not Mark Schlereth, the guy who was doing the play by play, but he was like, this has been Jair Alexander's best season today. And I was like, you have not I'm been watching, watching the Packers. Th- nope. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, this has definitely not been his best season today. That well, is for damn sure. 
<laughs> Rasul Douglas is turning into a, a developmental player again. <laughs> yeah, it's there's just a lot left to be desired on this this defense. I, think, I feel like a lot of their steps back. Adrian Amos has taken a step back, which somewhat should be expected. He's in his thirties that, that, but like, it's just, there's been a lot of them. Adrian Amos has taken a step back. Devondre Campbell, when he's been out there, hasn't been as good as he was last year. Uh, I've mentioned Kenny Clark has taken a step back. He had a good game here, but he's taken a step back this year. Rasul Douglas, you just talked about has taken a step back. Jair Alexander has taken a step back. Preston Smith has taken a step back. Like you, our defense last year, if you remember, was pretty good. Like we, had that great playoff performance. We held Patrick Mahomes to like a reasonable amount of points. I believe it was like 13 that they, the chiefs put up against the Packers. We shut out the Seahawks and Russell. Like our defense had multiple really good performances last year. And we just haven't gotten any of those this year. Well, and I, I just think for whatever reason, um, they've, instead of putting, being an attacking defense, they're actually putting the brakes on. And I think you're watching everybody take a step back because um, they're not attacking. And it's hard to play, a, you know, a step back, keep everything in front of you defense and not be in and every, but because everyone wants to attack and then they want to be in it, be a part of the play. And, and it's just, you just can't with this defense. Yeah. There's, there's certainly a lot to be desired there. Um, I don't have too much more on the defense. I did want to shift over to the special teams quick because it's been the first time we've been able to say this in a while, but I think the special teams was a big contributing factor for this win. And not even so much that our special teams did a lot. Like our special teams was fine. It it did its job, which is all I really ask. But the Bears special teams really seemed to suck in this one and cost them some valuable points. So at least for once, it wasn't our special teams making all the mistakes. We got a block. They forced a miss. Um, you know, was that Nixon? He he took two out last week for fifty yards. That dude is now going to take everything out of the end zone. He don't care if he could be. Oh yeah, he's never. T- <laughs> he what did he call one like seven yards deep and ran it out? Yeah. So he he's like, I, that's it. I, I I had a really couple of good successful runs. So now everything's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> But that is really all I have on this game. The Packers beat the Bears 28-19. Um, it's always fun to beat the Bears. Do you have anything else on the Packer-Bear game? Uh, no, just the Bears still suck. I did want to get into, I thought this was pretty interesting while we're on, on the Packers here. Uh, yesterday, on Monday, Brian Gutekunst had a press conference, and I thought he made some pretty interesting comments. Uh, really? I thought, basically, they, I thought there were was, GM comments that were like basic... Uh, go ahead. Well, so he said he was asked the question whether or not Aaron was going to keep playing next, uh, was going to be back on the team next year. And he kind of deferred that answer, right? He goes, Oh, well, that's an offseason discussion to have, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But he's at, then he was asked about Jordan Love, and he goes, Do you need to see? He was asked something along the lines of, Do you need to see more from Jordan Love? Does Jordan Love need to play? in order for you to make a decision on his fifth year option. And he answered that he had seen everything he needs to see from Jordan love and on whether or not they're going to pick up that option. Now, I don't know. You could read that one of two ways. You can read that as he, that Jordan love has shown enough in practice that they are very confident that he is going to be a starting level quarterback, or you could take that as Jordan love has sucked in practice and, that they already know they're not going to pick up his option. Obviously, without having really seen him in practice, we don't really know what that means. I did think it was kind of notable. He he was asked, do you believe Jordan Love will be a starting quarterback in the NFL? And he answered emphatically, yes. But that could also be just GM speak. I'm not trying to read too much into that quote, but I thought his quote about the fifth-year option was fairly interesting. Well, I mean, I don't, from the games we saw Jordan Love play, there's nothing to indicate that he couldn't play in this league. I mean, he was he outstanding? No, but he he managed the the, the uh, games fairly well. And if you look at all the other quarterbacks in the league, you know, most of these teams are just happy to have a team uh, quarterback that can manage it. I mean, look at Garofalo. Everyone was like dying all over themselves over Garofalo just because he could manage uh, the San Francisco team. Um, so. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be an outstanding quarterback. You just have to have a team that can manage your offense. And I think Love can do that. 
I do think it's worth pointing out too. I, I think there's this misconception out there that the Jordan Love option, while they have to make the decision this offseason, doesn't actually kick in until 2024. He's still going to be on that rookie cheap deal next year. So you can still, in theory, bring Rodgers and Love back next year, and it's not going to be too much of a cap deterrent. It would be 2024. That that fifth-year option is about $20 million that you would basically, at that point, is when you actually have to really make a decision between Rodgers and Love. Right. In theory, you can actually run this back again for another year if you want to. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm, that's where I think they're going to go with it. That's I, kind I, of how I'm leaning to. I, I lean that he's going to pick up the option and that Rodgers will be back next year because I don't think Rodgers is walking away from 60 mil. Um, and then the following offseason is when they finally start to transition over to Jordan Love. Right. And um, I just feel bad for Love because the guy you know, probably really wants to start. And I think he he has the tools that could show you at least he could – Start a few games and get you know get a see what he's really like, and uh, we're just we just have to keep taking a back. He has to keep taking a back seat to Rogers all these years. Yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that we'll see uh, Jordan Love down the stretch here once they're mathematically eliminated. I know Rogers is going to keep playing until they are, so we might still get another start or two of of Rogers. But I'm hoping we get at least a little bit of a glimpse of Jordan Love here down the stretch. Um, but that is really all I have for Packer talk. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I don't really have much else for for the Packers unless you do. Um, I just want to ask you, what's our next segment? Is it going to be the Badgers? I was going to transition to the Bucks, but if you want to go to the Badgers, we can go to the Badgers. Well, I do because I got a tie and I got, I got a conspiracy theory that I want to tie in between the Badgers and the Packers. So, all right, we'll transition to the Badgers. So here, here you go. Go for it. So this is my conspiracy theory. We know that everybody wants to get rid of um, what's his name as defensive coordinator, uh, Joe Barry. Joe Barry, but they're not going to do that in the middle or in the, this part of the season yet, while they're still mathematically in it. Now, if you also realize, Jim Leonard is supposedly been offered the defensive coordinator job for the Badgers, and um, Fickle has told him that they will do whatever best for Jim Leonard. And Jim Leonard hasn't come, hasn't actually come back and said he wants to be the defensive coordinator, but I think he wants to coach that that bowl game. So my conspiracy theory is is that Fickle's going to hold on to Jim Leonard until the point where the Packers are eliminated, fire Barry, and then offer the job to Leonard. So in this hypothetical scenario, are they hiring Leonard during the season? They'll hire Leonard after the Badgers have played the bowl. Um, Right, but during the Packers season, they're not going to wait out till the end of the Packers season. Well, there's only four games left, right? Yeah, but it goes through mid-January. Well, it goes through. They, they, their their final game, I believe. I mean, they might file. Let, let me double check. The final game is the eighth. Is January eighth? I think. Yes, yeah, January eighth. Yep. So what what'll happen is maybe they'll fire Barry. You know, a couple of weeks left in the season, they'll they'll put in Johnny Gray as the uh, interim. Uh, defensive coordinator and say they're looking for and start interview. Then they can start interviewing um, uh, defensive coordinator pro, uh, coaches. And, you know, Jim Leonard would be one of those, but I'm sure Jim Leonard doesn't want to be put in a position to be having a bunch of college teams trying to offer him coaching jobs and all this stuff. If he really wants to stay in Wisconsin, maybe not play with fit or coach with fickle, but maybe go to Green Bay. I, do, I just think there's a window there that's open that Leonard hasn't closed yet, and Fickle is allowing to remain open for Jim Leonard. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, that would make a lot of Badger Packer fans happy, uh, uh, for sure. Um, it's certainly possible until we find out what is going on with Leonard. We did get a report over the weekend that he was going to come back to the Wisconsin Badgers, although that has not been confirmed by anyone um, with the Wisconsin Badger football program. And as we have found out the last few weeks that sources and reporting with, uh, around the Badger football program isn't always the most reliable. So we'll, we'll wait to, until we get official word on this one. Um, but I did want to, as a, as someone who goes to every single Wisconsin Badger game, 
I wanted to get your take on the Luke Fickle hire. And, and I mean, that was only a week ago, so it's still pretty in the news. We're still, he's still building his coaching staff. We actually, we haven't heard many details at all about his coaching staff. Um, so what are you, uh, what, what are your thoughts on the Luke Fickle hire? I think Luke Fickle actually brings more coaching, head coaching experience than Jim Leonard would have. Jim Leonard has, is a defense coordinator. He's had a half a year as, as a head coach. But I think he, Fickle has proven he's a successful head coach. And uh, I think he knows – I think re, when recruit they go recruiting, they'll, the recruits will see that he's a accomplished head coach and that he will – I don't know if he'll – Show that he'll be sticking around for a long time, but he'll be around for a few years till he, you know he, he improves this program. I don't see him going here and then leaving after a year. If you if you get my drift, um, so I think recruits will see that he, he's building a program that bring that players will go to the NFL because he had like four players from Cincinnati going to the NFL. He had nine players nine, in yeah, the last draft, you know, and he bring, he brought a team to the playoffs. So I think. You know, recruits will see that and want to play for him. And I think recruits outside of the Wisconsin – I mean, I know he said he wants to recruit from Wisconsin, and that's to get all the coaches in Wisconsin on board. But I think he's going to recruit outside of Wisconsin, and, you know, Ohio is probably going to be a big recruiting area. So, you know, I'm glad to see him be the head coach. He's not a Gary Anderson. Um, He's not, um, you know, a hire from within – just to you know, just to keep the Wisconsin tradition going, um, <laughs> we I, I, I like the I like the hire a lot. I like a successful coach. I think he's bringing in a good, uh, experienced staff. So um, I can't wait to, to go next year to the games. Yeah, no, it's it's it has definitely built a lot of excitement around the program. Um, while we're on Badger football, there's a lot of news and notes here to kind of hit. Uh, so we do know three of the coaches that are going to come with him. He's bringing his defensive coordinator, his co-defensive coordinator, and then his wide receivers coach slash passing game coordinator from Cincinnati. So he's bringing his top two defensive assistants as well as one of his offensive assistants. His offensive coordinator from Cincinnati is rumored to possibly be coming here, although he is in the mix for the Western Michigan head coaching job. So I think they're waiting for that to play out to determine if he's actually going to come to Wisconsin or not. And then we have not heard really anything else about his, his coaching staff, but it is, it does make it interesting. If this Leonard rumor does become true, what, titles these guys would all get because if Leonard does come back you're talking about a defensive coordinator a co-defensive coordinator like you can't have three defensive coordinators so I don't know it would make it would definitely make things interesting um but it's pretty he's starting to at least build out his staff I don't know if you have any thoughts on on any of those three guys but I thought it was worth noting that he is at least starting to build out his staff bringing some of his key assistants with him well that's why I think that that's what a lot of it fed into my conspiracy theory here is that he's got so many defensive coordinators coming to the team that you know where where do they fit? And I think one of it is, like I said, they I go back to when Fickle said he's going to do what's best for Jim Leonard. Well, maybe Jim Leonard said, you know what, I want to be defensive coordinator for the Packers, but it doesn't look right, doesn't look good right now to go there. So you know, let me stay on board until the the. Uh, defensive coordinator position opens up in Green Bay, and then, then I'll I'll take he'll take off. So makes sense. A uh, couple other news and notes we got from the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, we can hit the transfer portal next. They have had <laughs> quite a few players transfer out, um, announced that they are transferring anyway, and the the number one guy there is Graham Mertz. Graham Mertz announced he is entering the transfer portal. They have also lost a few other guys, Isaac Rendo, the the running back, Michael Fertney, offensive guard, Samar Melvin, uh corner for them, have all entered the transfer portal. They also there's a few other guys who weren't really in the two deep, so I, I'm not really going to mention them, but they are starting to lose some guys. I think this was expected new coaching change typically brings a lot of roster turnover with it. I don't think it's any surprise that Graham Mertz is heading out. Luke Fickle is known to want more of a dual threat style quarterback, not so much the pro style. So I I don't think this is a surprise. Um, With Chase Wolf leaving as a senior, I'm expecting the Badgers to bring in a transfer quarterback to sort of replace Graham Mertz. Uh, But give me your thoughts on Graham Mertz transferring out. 
or, or, or the other guys if you want to. So the reason I started getting season tickets to Badgers was because of Graham Mertz. I was so excited to see Graham Mertz. I thought, you know, Paul Chris was going to bring in Graham Mertz. They were going to do whatever they could to get Graham Mertz a Heisman Trophy. He was going to throw for 5,000 yards in a season, and none of that happened. So, I mean, Graham Mertz leaving now. Granted, he had a lot of uh, head coaching turnover and offensive coordinator turnover. Or one year he didn't even have an offensive coordinator other than Paul Christ. Um, he's a quitter. I don't care what he does. He's gone. He's not. If he's not going to wear the W, he doesn't matter to me. Um, it's just like when <laughs> when somebody leaves Green Bay, you know, they're like, I hope he does well when he goes. I yeah, I could care less what they do when they go somewhere else. Um, I my other thought is I heard, I did see that Braylon Allen, you know, tweeted out that he had breaking news that Braylon Allen is still a Badger, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I did want to. Uh, I'll get to Braylon Allen in a second. So, regarding Mertz, re- regarding Mertz, this is where I'm going to disagree with you. I think Mertz was a perfectly fine Big Ten quarterback. I mean, he was middle of the pack pretty much every year as far as Big Ten quarterbacks go. Um, especially this year, he he for most of the season he was actually a one of the better big 10 quarterbacks. And then he fell off towards the end when he got injuries, when he's, he uh, got hit with some injuries. But I, I, I think if Graham Mertz hadn't had those expectations that you mentioned coming into the program, if he was just a normal three-star quarterback or whatever that had come into the program, I think people would have enjoyed Graham Mertz a lot more. Oh yeah. But uh, the fact that he had all those expectations, he was the savior. He was going to be the guy who brought Wisconsin to compete for a national championship and all this. And the fact that he wasn't that now granted, I'll give you, he was not as good as a Jack Cohn or a Alex Hornerbrook. Those guys were both top three big 10 quarterbacks when they were here. But I also think that kind of goes to show the outsized expectations that people have for the quarterback position at Wisconsin, considering those guys, like I said, were top three quarterbacks in the big 10 and Badger fans were ready to move on from them for the next big thing. Anytime they could. So uh, I I'm rooting for grammar wherever he goes, unless he ends up facing the Badgers. But I, the guy has never done anything personally to make me hate him. He's never had any sort of, controversy or anything around him he didn't live up to expectations it is what it is it's probably a good move for both sides to get a fresh start here yeah i i don't disagree with you i mean that the thing is he didn't live up to the expectations he put on himself either he said that he was going to be you know he wanted he had recruiting offers a lot of places but he wanted to come to wisconsin and, and make wisconsin great and he he was just a, a good quarterback there's nothing special about him so, yeah, no, that's fair. And high school kids tend to stay of a uh, lot of stupid stuff when they come out. So I'm not going to really hold that against him. But I did want to touch on Braylon Allen coming back. This is one we all thought would he would be transferring out as well. There was lots of rumors surrounding him possibly going to Michigan. He did put those to bed, stated today on Twitter that he will be coming back to the Badgers after talking to Luke Fickle. Um, I mean, it's only one year. He's probably heading the NFL draft after next year. but. That's a good thing. Uh, it's good that Braylon Allen's going to be back. I, I think we can all be pretty happy about that. So I, I'm happy about that. I, I think he's a good running back. I just wish they could find a second running back to, to pair with him because, you know, once Braylon Allen's not in the game, there is nothing. Those, who was that, the guy who left it, left in the transfer portal? He was a big nothing, you know. Uh, Isaac Grendel. Yeah, yeah, he was a home run hitter. He either did nothing or he hit like an 80 yard run. Yeah, except he never hit a 80 yard run. <laughs> well, he had the one. I mean, he was the MVP for me and Dave a couple weeks ago because he had the he had a big 90 yard touchdown run. Um, but yeah, no, I get what you're saying. It would be nice to add some depth. We'll see. Obviously, Luke Fickle has a lot of work to do. They, I believe, only have eight commits right now in uh-huh. at, for a recruiting class so they have a lot of work to do as far as recruiting guys go and a lot of holes to fill in the transfer portal so i'm sure those holes will get filled in the next few weeks the last piece of badger football news i have is we did get our bowl matchup they are going to be facing off against oklahoma state in the guaranteed rate bowl on december 27th with a 9 15 p.m kickoff and both teams starting quarterbacks have announced they're entering the transfer portal so we're getting two backup quarterbacks who's excited for this on a tuesday night baby let's go 
<laughs> Tuesday night, 9-15, two backup quarterbacks. Let's go. And a new head coach is going to be calling a game on a team he has no idea what's going on with. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be great. I can't wait. I mean, I'm going to watch it, but that is it is interesting. The reports are that Luke Fickle's going to be the head coach for this, and I have to imagine this is just sort of like a CEO type of head coach, like when Barry Alvarez coached the bowl games. Yeah. He's going to let the coordinators do what they do, and he's going to kind of just – he'll determine if they go for it on fourth down, if they kick a field goal, whatever, those types of decisions. Mm-hmm. As more so, he's like he's not going to be running his schemes or anything like right. that. But um, – I don't know. It does make it a little interesting because I can't remember a coach do ever doing this in the past that gets hired. Typically, they just wait till the next season. So, find that kind of interesting. Yeah, I'm, I, that's. I mean, I'll be watching. You know, I've I got to you know root for the Badgers. I want to watch see what Fickle looks like on the sideline and see you know how the player. What kind of uh, how the, what kind of apparel he wears on, on the sideline? What is he going oh. hat? Is he a hat or a visor guy? Yeah, is he a hoodie, a t shirt, a, 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 a polo guy? Yeah, he's a vest. Yeah. Does he uh how did a player khakis? Do the players just stay away from him and he's all by himself on an island? You know, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> big stuff here, big stuff here. Yeah. Um, all right. I don't have any uh, anything else on the Badgers football. I did want to get uh, we're running a little long on this segment here, but that's okay. Yeah. Um it was officially announced that the college football playoff is expanding now in 2024. So we have this year and next year, and then we are expanding to 12. Uh, we did hit on this back when this sort of broke a while back, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this quick. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on expanding to 12 teams in 2024? Well, I mean, I like having the playoffs teams. I, I, I hate that, you know, great Ohio state made the playoffs this year. Why? Because they got killed by Michigan. You know, how, how does that work? So I, I, I hate that it's always determined by somebody who it's not by the play on the field. So um, the play on the field would indicate that Ohio state should be in a playoffs this year. So hopefully do you have a alternative that should have made it? Um, I don't know. I, I really didn't look into it that much. I just saw that Ohio state made it. I'm like really after Mich- after Michigan destroyed them. I mean, I, I, I think Michigan is probably the best, one of the best teams out there, them and, uh, um, who's it? Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Yeah. So, but this I, to I, me I like is 12 the, teams. Uh, I like more games, more meaningful games. Th- I, I will say to me, this is the year. If you were a, a person who wanted, who liked it back in the BCS format, when there was only two teams competing, this was the year for you. It's Georgia and Michigan. Everyone knows that there's no one else. TCU just lost their big 12 championship yeah. game. They got in yeah, Ohio TCU, state yeah. got killed by Michigan. They got in, but the alternative choices weren't really any better, right? There's a two loss Bama a two loss, Tennessee. There was a two loss Kansas state or a two loss Utah. Like there were not really any better options, a two loss Clemson. Like there, there was just a lot of bad options this year, but on the flip side, it would have made for a very entertaining 12 team playoff, which I would have been very excited for. It would have given Utah and Clemson first round buys because in order to get a first round buy, you have to be a conference champion. So TCU and Ohio state would not have gotten first round buys. I'm excited for that. It puts value back into conference championships. It gives teams a way to earn their way onto the field. Like if you want to be into this playoff, you have a surefire way to get in, and that's to win your conference. If you don't do it, you leave it up to the committee, and if they don't pick you, too bad, so sad you had your chance. Well, and you know, one or two losses doesn't kill you from the playoffs. If you've had really good games otherwise, and say your quarter, your starting quarterback went out for a game and a half, and so you lost two games, you're not automatically out of the playoffs just because of that. So I, I like... No, I, I, and... I, I, that's why I like more teams in it. Um... So, yeah, the more the barrier. That's what I say. Don't, oh, I, All right. I, no, one more thing I was going to say. I, I'm sorry. I was looking at my notes. The, the one thing I will say, though, is some of these playoffs, these college kids are going into these playoff games. You might get that where the, the players don't play because they want their NFL draft, you know, as they're preparing for the NFL draft. So you might see some of that even with these expanded playoff games like this. You're going to see more of these kids not playing in the playoffs. So that's what I'm sad to see. Yeah, we'll see. We have yet to have anyone really bow out of a playoff game, but we have seen obviously players bow out of even New Year's six bowl games. Uh, 
and things of that like. So it will be interesting to see if that uh, expands now as well with the 12-team playoff or not, if, if players will stick into that. But I don't really have much else for college football here. Nope. While we're on the topic of the Badgers, uh, I want to I want to go touch on some of their other sports. Yep. Um, actually, these are both with uh, Wisconsin and Marquette. So uh, we can just touch on volleyball here first. Uh, we went through their bracket last week. Um, both Marquette and Wisconsin are still playing. Marquette swept Ball State and Georgia Tech. They now played top overall seed in the tournament, Texas, on Thursday. And then Wisconsin swept Quinnipiac and TCU and will play fourth-seeded Penn State on Thursday. So, so far, so good for both the Wisconsin and Marquette volleyball teams. Um, good to see them going. We'll see if Marquette can pull the upset. That would be incredible if they could knock off Texas. Uh, but we'll, we'll find out on Thursday. Well, looking forward to it. We'll be out drinking and hopefully uh, the watching other, some. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing I got then here for for Wisconsin and Marquette is they played a basketball game over the weekend. Oh, yeah, that, that was uh, a – Wisconsin won it. Yeah, Go did, ahead. I was just going to say that. But there was something special about this weekend's basketball game. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so Wisconsin and Marquette played. It was at Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee. Marquette was the home team. Wisconsin ends up pulling this one out, 80-77 to in overtime. Cam Jones for Marquette scores 26 points. Chucky Hepburn for the Badgers led the way with 19 points. Uh, it was the first road victory in this series since all the way back in 2016 when the Badgers won at Marquette in the Bradley Center. Uh, it's, it's been a while since a road team has pulled one out in this vict- in this uh, in this series. Any thoughts on this game? I just like watching both teams be good or better than expected. So I, I'm happy for both programs. I'm glad that they're it was a really good game. It was good for the state of Wisconsin. And uh, I just hope they keep being competitive for years to come. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, Wisconsin had a really good first half. They were up, I believe, 11 at halftime. Uh, Chucky Hepburn went crazy in the first half. He was on fire. He starts the second half, leaves the game with an injury about 10 seconds into the second half. And at, very similar, actually, to the last game the Badgers played in the Pfizer Forum in the NCAA tournament. When Chucky Hepburn left with the injury then, the Badgers kind of collapsed, and the same thing happened. Like, all of a sudden, Marquette storms back, gets the game about tied. Chucky Hepburn comes back with about seven, eight-ish minutes left in the game. And while he wasn't able to pull pull away... um. They, he was able to kind of steady the ship for Wisconsin. They're able to pull it off in overtime. Chucky Hepburn hits a massive three late in the game here. Connor Sejan, Connor Sejan, um, had another big game. He's really making a mark. He had 12 points. Max Klesman had 13. Tyler Wall had 15. Uh, pro- I, worth noting, Prosper had 14 for Marquette. So, like you said, it was a really well played game back and forth. Both these two teams. Seem to be exceeding expectations here early in the season, and that that's good to see. Yep, agreed. Uh, worth pointing out, both of them. Uh, well, Wisconsin is starting uh, conference play tonight. They are hosting number thirteen Maryland. That'll be a good one. We are recording before that game has started, so we do not we will we'll not know the result of this one on this podcast. But uh, some pretty big games coming up for them. Marquette's playing North Carolina Central, which whatever don't really care about that um go Marquette and then Wisconsin plays at Iowa on Sunday Marquette is at Notre Dame on Sunday so some pretty big games there as well uh for these two programs and since we don't have no Packer games we got you know open slots to watch some basketball yeah if you're looking for something to watch on Sunday there you go I did want to touch on the other big college basketball state rivalry game this past week uw green bay faced off against uw milwaukee and uw milwaukee pulled out the victory Uh. 81 to 67 knocking off uw green bay in the process cade meyer led the way in points scored in this game he had 19 for uw green bay hefner and tucker also had double digits as did blake actually for uh, uw green bay and then on uw milwaukee's side rand led the way with 13 but they had five guys in double figures johnson had 12 browning had 12 edwards had 10 and thomas had 11 so uh not too big of a surprise here the uw green bay program under will ryan has really struggled the last couple of years. Not that the UWM program is much better, but they're better than the the doldrums of UW Green Bay. Well, doesn't UWM switch coaches all the time now? 
Yeah, they have a bar, uh, brand new coach, Bart Lundy, this year yeah, so. uh, in his first year. Yep. Cool. Uh, but that is all I have for college basketball and really just college sports in general, unless there's anything else you want to hit. Uh, no, I'm good. I didn't know if women's hockey did anything. Or not. All right. Uh, I did not. I, I'm I, honestly, I'm not. I didn't sure. look at her. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I, uh, I'll pull it up and mention it at the end. I lot, lot, of, lot going on. I kind of forgot to check that one. Um, but I did want to get here to, it's time to get to the Milwaukee Bucks. And this is where I'm going to pop mine. Ooh. The Bucks go 3-1 and one this past week. Giannis has three games of 30-plus points, making it now seven in a row of 30-plus points for him. He is one away from the franchise record set by uh Mr. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, pretty good week overall for the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, I mean, I watched last night's game. The uh, the two-way players really got into the last night's game, um, scoring 20 points off the bench. So that was nice to see. Um, and, and like you said, 3-1 and one this week. Uh, if I had one little issue, it was when Middleton came back. I think he, they might have pressed him, a, pressed his time a little bit too much. I um and I think that's probably why the it, it was the Lakers so maybe they're just trying to get him to get into the game but um I, I think other than that I I it was a great week for the for the Bucks yeah so regarding that Laker game uh Chris Middleton played 26 minutes his first game back Coach Bud did say afterwards that they probably pushed his minute limit a little bit too much there but then last night in his second game back against the Orlando Magic he comes out and plays 25 minutes so really not too much of a of a difference there um but I I, I did want to mention you you mentioned the two-way guys last night against Orlando AJ Green comes out puts oh. up 12 points Mamu Kalashvili had eight points and six rebounds on Saturday. They both played pretty well too. In that one, AJ green had eight points and Mamu Kalashvili had six points and six rebounds. Both of them got some pretty big minutes over in the last two games. When guys sat out, if you, if you go to Saturday's game, um, Giannis sat, Chris sat, Drew sat, Marjan and Ibaka were still out with uh, non-COVID illness. Ingles is obviously still out. So missing some key guys. And then last night, uh, against the Orlando Magic, both Brooke Lopez and Grayson Allen sat that one out. So uh, gave some opportunities for these two-way guys. And honestly, they both contributed. They held their own out there. Really, that's all you can ask for from a two-way guy. Yeah, and they asked, I, after the game, they, they were talking to him and they asked A.J. Green, you know, what what's it like to be a two-way player? And he's like, dude, I get paid to play basketball. How can't be any better than that? So, <laughs> <laughs> No, absolutely. Um, Honestly, I'm pretty impressed. This is where we're starting to get to the part of the season where individual games don't mean that much to me. I can run down it, right? They beat the Knicks uh, last week on Wednesday, 109-103. They lost to the Lakers, 133-129. to They beat the Hornets, 105-96, and they beat the Magic, 109-102. That's all fine and dandy. This is the part of the year where these individual games don't mean that much to me. Uh, but it's good to see... I like seeing guys who on the end of the bench, get their opportunity and kind of making the most of it. And then I also like to just see Giannis do what Giannis does with all these, these 37 points against the Knicks, 40 against the Lakers, and then 34 last night against Orlando. So, I mean, if they can just keep winning most of their games, that's really all I ask for. Yep. And happy birthday to the big man. Yeah. Turns 28 today. Uh, happy birthday, Giannis. Uh, I loved his quote last night. I don't have it in front of me, so I don't want to misquote him, but he has this really enduring quote. And then he talks about getting freaky at the end of it. And he, the whole time he's holding a Homer Simpson uh, stuffed doll. <laughs> like Giannis is one of a kind, man. He is, he is so fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I really don't have much else on the Milwaukee Bucks. A pretty, I mean, they played four games, but kind of a boring week overall. Not boring. Um, well, like you said, you know, the individual games don't are, are kind of, you know, you, you go right past those individual games. But I do like like seeing these individual performances from guys you don't normally get to see. So that was a good thing. Yeah, and they have some interesting games coming up. They're playing the Sacramento Kings tomorrow night. Um, 
On Friday, they play the Dallas Mavericks, finish their season series against them, so going up against Luka Doncic. On Sunday, if again, if you're looking for something to watch on Sunday, they play the Houston Rockets. That should be a blowout. The Rockets are terrible. Um, but then on Tuesday, they play the Golden State Warriors, the defending yeah. champions. So that'll be a pretty – well, actually probably be recording. Uh, Dave and I will be recording during that game, so that'll be a fun one to watch while we're recording. Cool. All right. M- moving on. Uh I don't have too much else. The only other thing really we have to go over is the Milwaukee Brewers offseason is going pretty fast. Not something we're used to. Uh, under David Stearns, the Brewers a lot of times waited till late in the offseason to make a lot of their moves. Um, well, I feel like every week we're on here, we're talking about another move the Brewers made. This week, they trade Colton Wong to the Seattle Mariners for Jesse, Week- Jesse Winker and Abraham Toro. Any thoughts? Um. I kind of like Wong, but I think it moves. It, it, it creates. Uh, they, I think they have a backlog on their on their uh, lower ranks there. So on on the AAA and AA teams. So I think you're going to see some guys move up and get uh, opportunities in the big leagues. Um, and I think for the most part, um, I, what I was disappointed in is listening to them talk or council talk about. You know how stir- after the trade of Josh Hader, how they didn't realize how bad it would hurt the locker room. And I'm like, you're change, you're you're trading your closer. How do you not realize how that's going to hurt your locker room? I don't get how that was, uh, even to be thought of as a as a professional uh, manager. Yeah, so this is something I've kind of struggled with. Um, I'll get I'll get back to the trade in a minute. But re- regarding Council's comments on Hader, uh. I saw that too. And it's kind of interesting because if you look at purely the results of the trade, like it's pretty obvious the Brewers won that trade. Taylor Rogers was a better pitcher in the final two months of the season than Josh Hader was. And on top of that, the Brewers got the prospects, right? They got Esturi Ruiz and Robert Gosser. Right. So it's like, this is, seems like a clear win for the Brewers. But on the flip side, we all know the effect that it had on the clubhouse. And that very well, even though Rodgers was the better pitcher than Hayter was down the stretch, that might have cost them the playoffs. We we obviously don't have any way of knowing that for sure. Because if Hayter is obviously pitching for the Brewers and sucks as much as he does for the Padres, well, that's not going to help. But it is it is interesting. It's one of those things where I think Stearns had on his spreadsheet, and Arnold for that matter, because he was the assistant GM, they had on their spreadsheet that they... We're like, hey, this is really good value. We're going to do this. They did not. I don't think. I don't think they took into account. I think they knew the players would be upset. I don't think they realized quite how upset they would be. Um, but it is kind of interesting because when you're discussing that trade on whether or not that trade was a good trade or a bad trade, if you're results oriented, the trade was a good trade. There's really no way to put that any other way. But if you want to dig a little bit deeper into the psyche of the the rest of the roster, it makes things a little bit murkier. You you, you mentioned that you can't tell if the trade hurt the locker room or not. And I, I disagree with you because you can you definitely can tell it hurt the locker room because um, council came out and said it hurt the locker room. So he he's down there. He knows how those players are reacting to what happened. So we, I am a hundred percent positive that that trade hurt the locker room because council brought it up. I, I, I apologize if that's what I said. Obviously the trade hurt the locker room. That part we know the, my, my part was more is how much of a tangible difference did that make? How many wins did hurting the locker room cost them? Was it one, two, three, et cetera? Like if you replace Josh Hader and Taylor Rogers and just only flip those two out. Well, Taylor Rogers was the better pitcher in those yeah. final two months than Josh Hader was. But how many wins was that locker room? Did that locker room suffer? Like that part, we're never really going to be able to know. No, we won't be able to know that. But I mean, you can tell it weighed on Council, and it probably weighed on him in the whole that whole last stretch of the season. So. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a, I don't think they're going to be making any similar trades anytime soon. I don't think they're going to be trading Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff or Willie Adamas at the deadline this year. That And then the other part of that, and the second part in my mind is Stearns know he wasn't coming back after the end of this season. So he made that trade knowing that he wouldn't be here for this part of the year when all the trades happen. So he wanted to make one last blockbuster trade, I think. I mean, we'll see. Like I said, results-oriented – 
the trade was a hit. Like it was easily a success. I think there's there's no really denying that, but it's yeah, there's a lot more that goes into it than just that. Well, no, but uh, I what I'm getting, I did want to get I was just getting to the point that Stearns knew he wasn't coming back after this season. Yeah, I'm sure he had his mind made up at that point. Yeah. Um but back to this Wong trade. This is a really interesting trade for me. I think we're seeing a general strategy from the Brewers. So right, the Brewers are at this really weird spot right now where they have a lot of prospects all kind of hitting the major leagues at the same time. You have three former first-round picks, Garrett Mitchell, Bryce Terang, and Sal Fralick. All, I mean, Garrett Mitchell actually made his MLB debut in the last month of the season last year. And Bryce Terang and Sal Fralick are basically knocking down the door ready for the major leagues right now. You have other guys. You have Esturi Ruiz. You have Joey Weimer. You have Abner Uribe. You have Mario Feliciano. You have Robert Gosser. You have Ethan Small. You have a lot of guys coming up right now, knocking on the door saying, hey, we're here. We're ready to play in the big leagues. And so the Brewers are in this really interesting spot where they're trying to be competitive, but also for the long-term good of the club, they're trying to open up playing time for these young guys to come in and earn their spot for the, for for the Brewers. And I mean, if they're successful, they're going to get a a good young player for cheap for a while. And so I think that puts them into this interesting spot where they are dealing from quote unquote positions of depth, right? We saw them deal Hunter Renfro. What one of the things they were really lacking last year was starting pitching depth. Their top of the rotation was great. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta when he was out there, they were all really good. But when those guys were hurting on the injured list, they were starting Jason Alexander got however many starts last year, right? right. Like they were starting some not so uh who's the the Chichi Gonzalez started multiple games for them last year. Like they were throwing some not so great pitchers out there. So they really wanted to improve their pitching depth. Well, they deal Hunter Renfro for three guys, three young pitchers who are controllable, who might be able to help in that pitching depth department. On the flip side, now you get this Colton Wong trade, right? Well, one of those prospects I just mentioned was Bryce Terang. Bryce Terang is very likely going to see if I had to bet who gets the majority of starts at second base next year for the Brewers, it's Bryce Terang. I don't know if he's going to be on the opening day starting lineup because of service time issues, right? They might want to gain that extra year of uh, control by keeping him down a couple weeks. That wouldn't really surprise me. But I think by the end of the year, Bryce Terang is likely to have played second base more than anyone else on the Brewers. And so I think the Brewers kind of knew this. So they chose Colton Wong's going to be a free agent in the year rather than letting him walk and block Bryce Terang. They can flip him now for value. So they flip him and they get Jesse Winker and Abraham Toro, which are is a really interesting return here uh jesse winker last year had a okay year he had an ops plus of 103 so 100 is average his was 103 it was just slightly above average he's a really bad defender he is likely to be our dh this year kind of replace andrew mccutcheon in that in that role here um he might get a couple starts in corner outfielders on days when guys need days off and are going to dh but for the most part he's going to handle the dh responsibilities But why I say he's kind of interesting is he's a buy low guy. He had an OPS plus of 103, like I mentioned. The years before that, though, in 2021, his OPS plus was 143. And in 2020, his OPS plus was 139. He was an all-star in 2021. He was a really good hitter those two years. He's coming off multiple injuries. He actually had two surgeries after the season was over. I think the Brewers are looking at this as they again only have one year of control here, but I think they might be looking at him as a decent buy low candidate on this one. And then on the flip side, Abraham Toro, I think he's basically just your Jace Peterson replacement, the guy who can play every position out there. Um, Give guys he's got four years off. left of control. He's young. He's, he's hasn't been a great hitter early in his career, although he's been a great hitter in his minor league um, history. So the Brewers might think there's something there they can tap into. We'll see. Yeah, I, basically, I think he's just the utility guy for the next couple of years. But uh, did you have any thoughts on the actual trade itself? I I mean, I like seeing younger players. You, you, you know me. I like to see younger coaches, the younger players. Um, I like to see veterans who have something to prove come in. Um, but I, for the most part, I like to see these young players come in and play. Um, is the options player options still in May at the end of May for control? Do you know, you mean for when they gain that extra year of control? Yeah. Is it still the end of May? 
Uh, well, so uh, it's after I believe two weeks of the season. Oh, um, they gain I, you gain the extra year of control, and then at the end of May is when players stop being super two eligible. That's, uh, that's it's a little bit more complicated than that, but that's a the general thing. If you're quote unquote super two, you get an extra year of arbitration, so the team can control you as long. You're just more expensive, right? Um, okay, but I I don't think they're going to keep terrain down until the end of May. I think it's going to be more so that first two to three weeks where they can just get that extra year of control. Gotcha. So, I, I mean, I like to see the young players, you know, more jerseys to buy. S- sorry, you got that Wong jersey. You don't need that one no more. <laughs> I, I do think, too, it's kind of interesting to note uh, some some different parts of these two guys. Jesse Winker has an 885 OPS against righties in his career. So he just absolutely crushes right-handers in, in his career. I expect him to maintain that as well at Miller Park. And then... The interesting thing here I thought about Abraham Toro, he's a guy who the MLB is banning the shift next year. Yep. And he is a guy who last year really got hurt by the shift. And the Brewers now have a couple of these guys. Rowdy Telez and Christian Yelich were also two guys who really got hurt against the shift uh, the last couple of years. Abraham Toro's to that too. I kind of wonder if this is a little bit of a market inefficiency that Matt Arnold and them are looking at and being like, Hey, they're banning the shift. Maybe we can acquire some guys who, uh, for under market price that, uh, the shift has hurt more than other guys that might be able to take a little bit of a step forward here. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> Sorry, the the Badger game so we'll, is on. So I'm watching a little bit of the Badger game. Yeah, Badger game just started <laughs> against Maryland here. Uh, but, I mean, overall, it's been a really interesting offseason. The Brewers have gotten a lot of their business done early on here. They still need a catcher. I can't imagine they're going into next season with Caratini as the starter and either Peyton Henry or Feliciano as the backup. They're probably still going to add another bullpen guy, maybe another infielder. It wouldn't surprise me if they had, like, a – just throwing out a name here, but like a Justin Turner on a one-year deal or something over at third base. I I could see something else along those lines, but they've got a lot of their business done here early. They have certainly opened up a lot of plate appearances for the young guys that are coming up, which will make things pretty exciting if you're a Brewer fan and like those types of uh, seeing those young guys, like you said. All right, and then before we get out of here, we actually do have something else to discuss here, and that is Team USA falling over the weekend in the World Cup uh, knockout round to the Netherlands, 3-1. to one. I don't think this was too unexpected by most uh, experts here, uh, but did you have any quick thoughts on Team USA falling? Yeah, I was hoping they would... Um show up a little bit better. Um, I did not a lot of scoring. I don't know if you, Team USA is known for actually scoring or if, um, but, you know. It'd Talk be- about scoring is boring, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> let's see what we did there. Um, so I, I was hoping, you know, there was hope that, you know, fingers crossed that they could do it. And then when they fell out, I, I fell to Team Poland. I was hoping Team Poland would, you know, advance, and then they went last, so. I don't really have any favorites left in here. I know I think Japan's moved on, and um, I th- or they may have been. I mean, Morocco beat Spain today. That was a pretty big upset. But uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think this was too too uh, unexpected. Um, I mean, the USA had had their opportunities. They they certainly had some chances, and just unfortunately were not able to capitalize um, on them. They they did once, but. Uh, what was that? They scored three goals the entire tournament. Yep. So like you said, not exactly proficient in scoring a ton here. Um, fault to the Netherlands. Netherlands is a really good team. Nothing to be ashamed of if no. you're the U.S. The U.S. was the youngest team in the World Cup, so hopefully it bodes well for them in four years in 2026 when they actually host the World Cup. Um, maybe they'll have actually a decent shot to make it pretty far in that one. We'll see. That's a long ways away. But uh, overall, not nothing too shocking here, but did want to bring up that unfortunately they did fall out of it. Yep, but a decent showing. I mean, it's not like they, you know, got thumped every game. So good for them. no. They they met expectations, like you said. They they made it to the knockout round, which is really all I think most USA fans were hoping for. So right. solid showing. They did the best out of all the North American teams, so that was also pretty good to see. They're 
quote unquote rival competition and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, overall good tournament for the USA. And then I did promise earlier that I would look up what happened on Wisconsin hockey, but, uh, well, rather women's hockey, the men's hockey team. I don't really care about because they kind of suck this year, but, uh, in women's hockey, I did not catch this and I really should have caught this on Friday. They scored 13 goals in a game. They beat Bemidji state 13 to one. They followed that up on Saturday, winning four to one, just a you know, a lousy four yeah, goals. Score is boring. <laughs> yeah. 13 goals in a game. I've never seen anything like that in hockey. Yeah. That's unreal. That's yeah. When you pour it on, you pour it on, I guess. And you know, Bemidji, I think that's in Minnesota, right? So anything we can do to beat Minnesota, <laughs> a Minnesota team. <laughs> to, to clarify, they scored four goals in the first, three goals in the second, and then a whopping six goals in the third. Uh, two two separate players had hat tricks in this one for Wisconsin. Curl and Britta did. So a uh, pretty uh, exciting game for the Wisconsin women's hockey team in that one. Not too bad Dave's not here to yeah celebrate the that victory with you tonight. Yeah, right. For what it's worth, Wisconsin much better than Bemidji State. Wisconsin is currently sitting at 12 uh 13 2 and 1. Bemidji State is 4 15 and 1. Overall, I don't have a whole uh too too much more. We do have to name our MVPs, but before we get to that, do you have anything else you want to hit on while you're here? No, I'm checking my notes and I am good. All right. I will let you name your MVP first then. Who who do you got this week? Who's who's your MVP of the week? So my MVP is Aaron Jones, only the third Packer to uh get over 5,000 yards rushing in his career. So um I hats off to Mr. Uh, Aaron Jones, your mom's favorite player of all time. <laughs> all right got it down my mvp of the week with two touchdowns is mr christian watson he had 94 yards from scrimmage he scored two touchdowns including that clincher on that that long run to beat the bears he is my mvp of the week so way to go christian um just just before we wrap things up i, I wanted to go back to the bucks game a little bit uh who is the other two-way play who's the two-way players the bucks have I'm, Sandra Mama Kalish Vili and AJ Green. AJ Green. I was I was watching the AJ Green and uh they were talking about how uh Orlando switched to a, a zone defense and he comes up and he goes, Shooters love the zone. <laughs> they absolutely do. I mean zone leaves you wide open shots. That's how you beat a zone is you shoot out of it. Right. And uh, that's why when uh, I don't want to go back to your high school basketball career, but shooters shoot what 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 did he say? Um Scoring's boring. Scoring's boring. Just so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a story for a different day. That is, but that I, it just sticks with me is how you're playing a game that you can score seventy game points in a game, and you don't want to try to score as many points as possible. What? Who? <laughs> who coaches that? Yeah. Right. All right. I think that is all we got. There's no Packer predictions this week because we're heading into a bye week. There's no Badger predictions this week because they're. Also on a buy until the end of December, until that nice nine fifteen backup quarterback showdown. So uh, on Tuesday night, <laughs> on Tuesday night, yeah, I I got nothing else. I think we actually we did pretty good here. We're at a little over, over an hour. hour. Yeah. Um, I, I think we uh we hit the sweet spot here. So yeah. thanks for joining me, sir. It's been a blast as always, and uh, have a good one. Yep, go pack, go bears still suck. <laughs> See you guys. See ya.